I want to talk about the shepherds and angels. So I'm going to talk about that. I, I don't know, supposing you had some really, really big news. Really big news. Who is it that you would want to tell first? Just talk to the person next to you. Who is it? If you had some really amazing news, who's the person you want to tell first? <laughs> so if you're married here today, <laughs> or if you've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I hope that the person you'd want to tell is that person. In fact, I read a few years ago that one of the tests of love is not marrying the person you could... Listen, this will change your life. Listen to this. <laughs> Don't marry the person that you can love. Marry the person you can't live without. The person that you want to tell that news to. The person you want to be with you in that moment, in that place. That's the person that you love. So there you go. <laughs> Come on. That's for free. That will change your lives. Um, supposing, though, what about if that news... <laughs> just calm down, though. <laughs> That's my wife, by the way, just in case you were worried. Um, but what about if that news is going to affect the whole town, even the West Midlands? Who do you think needs to know first? Would it be the mayor, perhaps, or... The chief of police, I suppose it depends on what the news is. But what about if that news was going to be so significant it would affect the whole of the UK? You know, who needs to know about that kind of news? Well, the Prime Minister, bless her, she needs our prayers at the moment. But we'd need to tell her, wouldn't we? She'd need to know about it. The Cabinet would need to know. And probably the Queen, bless her. We love her, don't we? She's great. And can't wait to hear what she's got to say about Jesus this Christmas. Um, well, what about if the news was to have such earth-shattering effect that it would change the whole world as we know it? That time itself would be marked by that event because the news that you've got is of an invasion from another world beginning with uh, bringing with it a new cosmic order, a power shifting event that would shake the authority structures of every principality, every ruler, dominion and power, the reign of a new king who will reign over all kings and everything. Who do you think you would tell? Who needs to know about that? Well. <laughs> this is the trouble when you become over-familiar with the Bible. <laughs> Trying to build some tension here. Well, yes. The angel chose the market traders on the hill, the sheep trader who supplied the cattle for temple sacrifice. The angel of the Lord chose Delboy and Rodney. He chose the man on the street, the average Joe, the relatable man or woman going about their daily business one day at work, just dropping off the kids at school, just another day at the office, getting through another day fighting off thieves and wolves. 
The angel crashes in with this life-changing, world-changing, universe-determining, eternity-defining news from the highest authority, God, that peace has come to all earth and to all men. You know, the emperor, Caesar Augustus, was not consulted. Herod the king, he was not invited. The religious leaders were overlooked completely. And the so-called wise men, they took quite a while to get there. But if the the shepherds were given a golden and glorious (coughs) invitation, why the shepherds? Why? I mean, a lot of the shockingly, a lot is made of the shockingly poor choice of the shepherds. Christmas tradition has given them a bit of a bad reputation Although that's pretty hard to justify from the Bible. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They were dirty, uh, living outside, manual workers, living with sheep made them a bit smelly. They didn't get to the temple very often. They were too busy in the fields. But God seemed to have a soft spot for them. And he identified himself with them, even in the fulfillment of prophecy. I mean, remember what the prophet Micah said. I don't know if you've ever read. So... The passage is often read and you just get verse 2. Verse 2 of chapter 5 is, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans. But it goes on. Bethlehem, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, who are, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Israel, you're going to be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. Don't forget to read the whole passage. It's packed with dynamite. See, God is identified with the shepherds in this place, in Bethlehem. And of course, there was another king, David, whose town took the name from him, He was a shepherd himself. And as a boy, he looked after his father's sheep in those very same hills just outside of Bethlehem. And he wrote a psalm about it, didn't he? He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord seemed pretty happy with that. So then Jesus came and he introduced himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. Good because he would lay down his life for his sheep. The people he'd come to save, the ones he described as like sheep without a shepherd. And Paul, who later sets up churches everywhere, tells the elders of the church, think about what shepherds do. He says, shepherd the church of God, seeing this as a model for leadership in the coming kingdom. Now, the angel got the right address and the right people, and so he delivered his message to them. And here's what the angel said, don't be afraid. He says, I've got some really good news, and it's going to cause great joy and celebration for all people everywhere for all time. That's the Rob Davey version. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. The great and glorious angel who terrified these men, brave outdoor types, told them not to be afraid, which is a bit like saying to an angry person, calm down. But it seemed to help because the shepherds were able to hear what was said to them. 
along the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord, the Savior of mankind has just been born, and he gave them a sign to look for, a sign. The shepherds needed a sign, a kind of confirmation that what the angel said was true, but also for the shepherds themselves that they would be accepted in a house where such a great arrival was making its presence known. This king would not be found in the palace, but in a normal peasant house, the kind they would be familiar with. And this baby, he'd be wrapped in cloths. He wouldn't be wrapped in robes, which was normal for them, for the shepherds. But lying in a manger, well, that was a bit unusual and would really make him stand out. But both of these signs were designed to reassure them that they would be received and welcomed even in their smelly work clothes. Good religious Jews would not have easily received unclean shepherds for fear that they would be contaminated. So even in the manner and place of his birth, there would be nothing to keep people away from Jesus. I mean, anyone could come. They still can. The shepherds could go without fear, knowing that even the household would receive them and the story of a supernatural visitation. So let's go and see him, they said, and they found they were welcomed and the baby was lying there just as they'd been told which is really important, bearing in mind the significance of the message that they had heard. It says that when they had seen him, when they had seen him, when they proved their supernatural visitation, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And the shepherds became witnesses, the first witnesses of the good news of what they'd seen and heard. And they told all their friends in the town about it. You see, the shepherds didn't get hooked on the mystical experience and keep it to themselves. They didn't go back to the field and try to repeat it. Now, what did we do? How were we sitting? What song were we singing? Let's see if it could happen again. They didn't set up a ministry of visitation of angels and angel choirs. They didn't go around laying hands on other people so that they could have the same experience. No, they did what we're meant to do when God, in his glory, turns up and miracles happen. They went out from there and told everybody about it. And it says that all who heard it were amazed. You know, sometimes we wonder about how we're going to be received. Well, They were amazed at what the shepherds had said. The people were amazed. They were filled with wonder. They marveled. Uh, Have you ever thought that people might be amazed at what you tell them about what you've seen and what you've experienced? See, people don't scoff when they face facts. They can't mock when we tell them our story. People find it hard to argue with witnesses to tell them the reality of what they've seen and heard about God and how he's changed their lives. So in one encounter, the shepherds go from the lonely night watches on the edge of town to avid storytellers at the heart of town. They go from people that others avoid because they're afraid to be contaminated to men with a message that people want to be around so they can catch something of the infectious joy that they carry. And the shepherds, they were the first evangelists of the message of Jesus, which is the good news of an eternal peace agreement made between heaven and earth because the saviour of the world has come. And the message of the shepherds and the angels is simply about this. Normal people who have a powerful story about a supernatural encounter that's changed their lives. (laughs) We may not have an angel 
or heard an angelic choir, but each of us has got a story to tell, a story that comes from dirty, smelly shepherds who've been forgiven and made clean. And like the shepherds, we too are are called off the hillside in the dark of the night into the heart of the city where people are ready and willing and waiting to receive the message of what we have seen and heard. Because Jesus really is good news for us all. I just want to read the passage to you because that was the retelling bit of the story. And then I want to bring some application and then you're not going to believe where we're going next. Okay, so just hang on in there. So it's in Luke chapter 2 that I just retold the story, and it's verses 8 to 20. So there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy, and will be that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom his favour rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about him and about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. But the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So I just want to bring a bit of application and then we're going to have a bit of practical, hands-on experience. This is an entirely supernatural story. The Christmas story, it's completely supernatural and it's being told everywhere. Isn't that amazing? You know, you've got angels, you've got dreams, you've got prophecies, you've got the glory of God. You can't escape the supernatural in any retelling of this story. And the way that the angel handles the shepherds who presumably have just had their first ever encounter with a heavenly being is really helpful this is what you do when you see an angel this is how you test the message that he brings look for a sign that's what the angel tells them so i thought it'd be good to experiment a bit with this today you know i was saying a couple of weeks ago that i believe a big part of church is practice we get to practice spiritual gifts we get to practice on one another well that's what i want us to finish with today i want us to practice getting supernatural revelation and then testing it to see if we've got it right but it doesn't matter if you don't get it right this is just for a bit of fun and it's just to practice and stir up one another with some supernatural experience so i'm not going to conjure up an angel or anything like that i don't think but you never know But we want to practice because next week we've got the carol service 
And normally you get people to practice uh, singing carols. I want us to practice praying for the sick and hearing words of knowledge for people to get healed. Uh, because I think God wants to heal some people. It's already happening amongst us. God is healing people, even in our workplaces. Isn't that amazing to hear that story earlier? So for the rest of our time, I want to do some training on how to get a word of knowledge, and uh, which is simply a word about what we know God is about to do. That's the best way I can think of defining a word of knowledge. It's what is God about to do? We want to know what he's about to do. So are you up for that? You're all looking terrified now. Um, that's okay. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. So uh, we're going to do this, and then uh, the young people are going to join us because they're already doing this, practicing out there, and they want to come in, and they want to share some stuff with us. All right? So if they can do it, we can do it better, yeah? Because, Yeah. <laughs> So the young people are going to join us um, and share some words of knowledge. So here we go. This is how to get a word of knowledge. And we're just talking about healing today. This is a good start for getting words of knowledge for other things too. But this is where we start. Three ways. Feelings, hearing, and seeing. Feeling, hearing, and seeing. Those are the three senses that God most often communicates words of knowledge. Feeling. So you ask God for a word of knowledge. Say, Holy Spirit, will you... Please fill me right now. We'll do this in a minute, but I'm just going to play it through with you. Um, will you just fill me with the Holy Spirit, and will you give me a word of knowledge? Or he may just give you a word of knowledge, and you're not even asking for it. But here are the three ways he'll probably give it to you. Feeling. Suddenly, you're feeling an inexplicable pain or something that's uncomfortable in your body in some way, and you know there's nothing wrong with you. Um, now, my friend Ruth gets this quite often, and sometimes it goes on for several days until she realizes it's a word of knowledge. Where is Ruth? Oh, she's not here. So uh, quite often God will speak to people through words of knowledge like that. You get a feeling or some kind of sensation in your body, and that's what God wants to do. Secondly, hearing. Maybe as you ask God for a word of knowledge, or he'll just suddenly speak to you, something that he wants to do right now. And that's your sign to be alert, to get ready, because he wants to use you. And thirdly, seeing. Um, I just heard this. I've never heard this before, but I got this off of Phil Wilthew, and I thought it was really cool. He says, imagine a supernatural body scanner. So if you're more visual, this might help you. And in your mind's eye, as you pray, just say, Holy Spirit, show me. Go down the body. Show me where to stop. And tell me what I need to say about that. And so using the supernatural body scanner, you can try that. You're all doing it now. I can see it, yeah. Um, but I also want us to go a step further than that. So don't just get the word of knowledge. So quite often you get a word of knowledge and you don't know what to do with it and you don't know who it's for. So what we want to do is go for the extra bit, the extra 5%, and ask God for a bit more. So, for example, I could say... So I've been down the supernatural body scanner and I'm seeing a problem. It looks like a blood system and it looks like a problem with blood pressure in some ways. That's what I seem to be seeing right now. But if I said, who's got a problem with blood pressure? There's probably loads of people that would then stand up and say, yes, it's me. Unless they were really shy and didn't want everybody to know that they had a problem with blood pressure. So what we want to do then is say, Lord, will you give me a bit more than that? Would you help me? 
to be a bit more specific and zoom in a bit on that. So I could then say, okay, well, I see um, a box of tablets and I see perhaps new tablets have been given and they're not working properly at the moment. So maybe that's going to identify that person and help us to zoom in and pray for them. And, it, and, the, and the purpose of words of knowledge is to build faith. It's to build faith. So you say, oh, okay, God, you're really speaking to me. This is really about me. So when you stand up and say, yeah, that's definitely me. You've just nailed it. That builds faith amongst us. So has anybody got that problem with blood pressure I mentioned? Yeah? Okay. So it would be really great to pray for you in a, in a moment, actually. Des, will you just put your hand on? Let's just pray for him now. And just say, Lord, we just cancel this problem with blood pressure in the name of Jesus. And we cancel the negative effect of the tablets that they're having on you right now, and we wipe it out in Jesus' name. And, Father, I pray your blessing on this man and on his body, and I pray that when he tests his blood pressure later on, it's going to be the lowest he's had for a long time, because you are the God who heals in Jesus' name. Amen. So let us know. Okay, let us know how it goes. Because that's the thing. It's not just revelation. This is also something that we've just seen. That was a word, that was a revelation, and we've just had confirmation. Now we want the healing, don't we? So we can ask God for that. Okay, so it's really easy, and I just want us to try it. And what we'll do, we'll get, just get into, perhaps get into groups of three maybe, and just pray with each other for a moment or two, and just say, Lord, will you help, help? He's going to put us on the spot. Um, but first thing to do is just say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me, relax, and go down the three things. So I said, didn't I? I said about feeling, hearing, and seeing. <laughs> Feeling, do I feel anything? Is there anything I'm feeling at the moment? Just check yourself. Hearing, am I hearing anything? Is God saying anything to me? Is there a word or a phrase that's coming to my mind suddenly? Don't try and work for it too much. Don't try, because if you do that, you start messing it up. It's just the immediate thought that comes to you. Or go down the body scanner, bleep, 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 bleep. What's going on there? And ask God if he, he can show you. And do you are you up for that?